This episode of the Now You Know podcast is brought to you by Mindset Performance. Mindset Performance believes the mental performance of the game is the game. If we can control our emotions, feelings, and thoughts on the athletic field, there is no doubt we will have a higher level of success. We are here to work with players, parents, and families to just not increase your mental performance on the field, but off. Parents, if you are struggling with your approach or your mental performance, we are here for you too. Being a player or a parent is not easy. Let Mindset Performance help you with your performance. Here at Mindset Performance, we are tired of seeing families spending thousands and thousands of dollars a year trying to get an athletic scholarship and getting no traction. We have designed a five-part series that breaks the recruiting process down in an easy, understandable way. Here we will discuss the five pillars of success that no doubt will give you an advantage to getting to play at the next level. Stop paying thousands and thousands of dollars every year and putting all your faith into someone else. Take control of your own process with this five-part series. You can see more at mindsetperformance.mykajabi.com. Once again, mindsetperformance at mykajabi.com. Use the code podcast for $100 off. Welcome to Now You Know Podcast with Dominic Jeffries. Let's get it. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining me. Today we are talking with Alex Baeza. Utah kid, came through uh, high school here, went on to play college. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Good. What's going on? Catch me up. What are you doing? Um, so I just recently moved out to uh, Northern California. I'm training out here until my uh, my season starts out in the Pioneer League in Boise. Training out at a facility in the morning time, doing my lifting, throwing, arm care, hitting, and then at at night in the evening doing the some hitting lessons. It's not easy, right? That's what you're telling me. No. Yeah, <laughs> long days, long days, long days. All right. Hey, man, I want to talk to you a little bit just about where you came from. Let's talk. I want to start out with, now you went to Jordan High School here locally. Tell me a little bit mm-hmm. about who you were in high school. Like, what, what did that player look like? Tall, skinny kid. Had some athletic ability, but not really physical. Couldn't really, like, drive the ball. Had good defensive skills, good hand-eye, but never really consistently showed that I could drive the ball to all fields. I pitched back in high school. That kind of got me. That kind of got my foot in the door in Hawaii. Tall, lengthy, lefty. But that was never what I wanted to do. I always wanted to hit. But it took a little while for me to develop. Even with me getting in the weight room all the time, my body just wasn't developing yet. Um, wasn't filling out. So not not always the most physical guy. But I knew with the uh, the amount of work I put in throughout the years that at some point it'd catch up with me. And it took me until about going into my sophomore year of college before my body really started to fill out and catch up. So I was always kind of skinnier guy. I was, I was tall. I had the frame, but it took a while for me to fill out and really turn into a, a physical, physical athlete. You say the word physical. And I, I think that people don't fully understand what physical means. Um, when I think physical, it's like, okay, uh, uh, in, in baseball terms, physical means a little more than just, you know, being bigger, being stronger, right? Physical, being aggressive, being strong, being able, you said, drive the baseball. Being, I mean, you were what in high school? 6'3", six, 6'4"? Three, six, yeah, 6'3". Six, 6'3", three. Six, three, what, 180 pounds? If, if that, yeah, maybe 160. 
right? So how yeah. did you develop the body or how, what was your process, right? Because what I'm seeing is, right, these kids, they're not, and I, I don't, I don't mean to get crazy on, on, you know, and like harp on the, the police officer of getting strong, but the reality is I'm not seeing a lot of kids work on getting physical. And when I talk, talk, talk to a college coach, they're like, is he a physical kid? And, or if yeah. a college coach talks to a player and says, you know, you know, we're looking for kind of physical guys. I'm not sure they know what that means. Can you talk a little bit about what that means at the college level? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for me specifically, like I always thought I was, I was doing everything I needed to do. When you're in high school, everybody, everybody can be the top guy at their school, right? So you're used to being the best guy. You, it's easy to feel comfortable. You get out to college and you're, you're not, you're not as developed, as strong as, as much of a grown man as they are. So for me, it was always knowing that my dad always put that into my head, knowing that I'm not training for high school. I'm training for the next level that I'm going to go to, where there's going to be somebody who's been there for three, four years. He knows, he knows the program. He knows the plays. He knows what the coaches want them to do. I'm showing up as an 18 year old kid. Don't know what I'm doing. Just know that I could hit a baseball every once in a while. The difference is you're not, you're not training to go dominate your season this this particular particular year. You're training to go wherever your long term goals are three, four, five years from now. That's what you got to put into your mind and say, I'm training for that because I know I'm not going to see results in a month or two months. But I'm going to see results in a year or two years. And I'm going to put on 20, 20 pounds of muscle. I'm going to get faster. I'm going to throw harder. I'm going to my swing's going to develop. All that stuff. It, it's got to be a long term process. Which is harder because you don't see you don't see all the results that you want, and that's what I think kids don't don't understand is they want results now, and it it doesn't work like that. It's interesting, right? Because it's like when you say you're not necessarily trying to develop for now, which in a sense, yes, that's the short term, but the long term. You know, I watched um, some college baseball a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think it's called the Desert Classic, and you know, yeah, TCU, mm-hmm. LSU, you had those teams in there, Tennessee. I sometimes wonder if high school kids are watching baseball or college baseball and really look at what those players look like. Very rarely yeah. do you see a guy 5'10", 160 pounds out on one of those fields. Yep. And if you do, he's dynamite and he's, you know, he's fast as light, right? But the reality yep. is I think kids settle in. They see what they have to be at that high school level, and some achieve that. Most, in my opinion, don't physically, mm-hmm. but they see like, okay, I just have to fit this mold here as what my high school looks like. And the reality is there's some high schools out there that don't have any physical kids. So who are you comparing yourself to? How important is it for kids at this age to watch college baseball? If you want to play college baseball, you need to see what what's out there, what it looks like. Do, do you feel that's, that's helpful? Oh yeah, that's huge. I mean, that's what I tell all the kids out here when I'm doing lessons. Like you guys watch college baseball, you all say that you want to go play college baseball. You want, you say you want to go play in the pros. Go sit down and watch a game. If that's where you want to go, that's that's your your study guide to the test. Like you can see the body. Like I always tell them, when I was growing up, I'd sit at home, watch the Dodger game, or growing up, I'd watch uh, UCLA, Irvine, Rice, whoever was on, and I'd just pick out the first baseman because that's where I play. I pick out the first baseman every time he'd come up. I grabbed the lift ball bat in the losing room, and that was my at bat. And that was just my way of like I was messing around, but at the same time, I was I was learning situations. First baseman comes up with a runner on second, 
said, okay, what, is, what does he do right there? Did he get the job done? How's he playing defense? Um, how many at-bats did he get? What did he do? What pitch was that? Did he get on 2-0? Like, that's, that's your study guide for the rest of your life. You can start put, uh, putting those pieces of the puzzle together at any age, and especially now with you got 60 games a day on ESPN+. Plus. I know most of the kids got all these streaming services on their TV. There's no reason for you not to just mindlessly switch through, through games. When you went, and I, I'm not sure I've mentioned yet, so out of Jordan High School, you went to Hawaii, obviously a Division One school. How out of place were you? And I know we've talked about this before of when you walked in, like it was such a shock to see what the difference was. Even, even say from your high school, which was a good high school, even moving, yeah. you know, up such a, a big jump. Like what, what was the major difference? What did you see? Like I said, we've talked about it. What, how did you feel you fit in with what was going on there? Yeah, I, I felt lost for the first while. I mean, I always tell everyone that the game speeds up on you. The higher you go, the more you level up in this game. If you get the opportunity to play in college, you will be set up at some at some point. Like I got there, and it's, like I said, my freshman year, I got there, and everybody was six two, two thirty. It felt like like it was, everybody was just grown men. Everybody throwing nine. Like if you see ninety in high school, that's that's the top dog in state. Like you, that's the best arm you see. If somebody touches ninety, they're like, oh, that guy's going somewhere. You get to college, your worst arm is 90. All he has is a fastball at 90 miles an hour. That's not going to play at the next level. That gets you, that gets you in the door, but then from there, you got to develop a secondary pitch. You got to get that extra velo. You got to have lights out command. And same thing on the hitting side. You might be able to hit 400 in high school or 500 in high school, but you're not seeing those elite arms. You go open up at ASU or Oregon State, you're seeing the top pitchers in the country, top five round draft picks. So all that stuff. And the game starts to speed up on you. So now it's like you start to you make one error. Now it's like, oh shit, I might I might not uh I might not play tomorrow. And then the next ball finds you and now you got two errors and two plays. My first start at first base in college, I made two errors. And I don't think I made two errors my whole career in high school. And the rest of my career in college I only made one more error. The game's speeding up on you, your mind starts to wander, your immature little kid you make one mistake and all of a sudden your mind's gone and the, ball, the game finds you the next pitch and that's, there's two errors. And that for a lot of people, that could be your only shot. I loved what you said about in high school you may hit 400. I, I get people all the time, parents specifically, who send me their son's stats. It's like he batted yep. 500, you know, he throws 85, whatever it is, you know, 10 stolen bags, whatever it is. And I don't think they understand that you because you hit 500 in high school. That's great. Congratulations. I think that's awesome. Yep. But who did you hit against? Right. Often I'll yep. get smaller school guys, you know, who I hit 700 in high school. Well, who did you play? Right. It's not apples to apples. It it, it doesn't yep. correlate. Yeah. Maybe means you have good eye hand coordination. You have a good skill set, What whatever it is. But I love that you, that you say that because parents are so stuck on numbers games. Well, if he batted 500 in high school, of course he's going to be a good college player. Someone who bats 600 in high school at a small division may not even be able to get on a college field. But I don't yep. think they understand that. And I think it goes back to, are you watching the game? Are you understanding the game? And I'm not blaming parents, right? Because a lot of families don't understand what it is. And that's okay. That's that's totally mm -hmm. fine. But the reality is of not understanding what correlates, meaning 500 in high school does not mean 500 at college. And when you got there and you weren't, say, that 
that hitter, that, that guy, how did you deal with that mentally? What was your process to help you get through that? My first two years, I struggled with it because like you said, in high school, you can hit 400, 500. So it's easy to, to look for hits, to look for success. Like, oh yeah, I went two for three today. That's a good day. But then in college, you're starting to see those, those good arms. Like for instance, at Utah, once I transferred to Utah, so we're playing in the Pac-12, you're seeing University of Arizona, you're seeing ASU, UCLA, Oregon State, all the top arms in the country, you can't you can't hunt hits because you're seeing the best arms, you're seeing the best defensive players. You got to start to look for quality at bats. Did I hit the ball hard? Did I move a runner from second with nobody out? Runner on third, less than two out. Did I get to RBI? Did I do my job? All those stuff, all those things. Quality at bats instead of a hit. That that's how you keep yourself from going insane. You will drive yourself off a cliff at the next level if you look for hits. If you look for a win or a loss in this in this sport as a hitter, where you fail eighty percent of the time, most of the time, you will drive yourself to insanity. You have to look for quality at bats and how to be a good teammate. If not, those numbers won't follow you. If you do those things, you look for a quality at bat. Was I a good teammate? Did I do my job today? The numbers will follow you. They will come at some point. But when you hunt those numbers and you hunt a hit or I need three more RBIs to get to my goal, you're, you're starting to stare down at an 0 for 30. It's interesting to watch players who don't go, you know, uh, even young, right? I go watch some of these comp baseball games and even high school games and kids who don't go three for three with two doubles, they think they had a horrible day, right? They went one yeah. for three uh, with a single and uh, whatever, an RBI. And they think, ah, man, that was the worst day ever. I played a horrible game. They don't understand, and, and I, I, I want to link it directly back to that numbers again. I think, for example, and, and, and nothing wrong with Game Changer. Game Changer is great, right? It's, it's, it's a great tool. I love it. Yep. But parents are obsessed over seeing the stats, of seeing the batting average, of seeing, and, and if they son say, if the Game Changer's wrong or they feel, you know, it should have been a hit and it was scored in air, whatever it is, they want to complain about it. They want to get upset about it because it's that numbers game. Instead of, yeah, I had two really good at bats today. I drew a walk and I had a you know a, a good base hit. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so used to hitting you know a home run with my juiced up bat every Saturday, and today I didn't, yeah. and everyone's upset about it. it. It it's interesting, and and I think the numbers game, although they're important, I get it, right? Like trends play, but at a younger age and even high school, I I just think it's important we let people know that it's not about numbers. It's not about what you've yeah. done. It's about what you can do for me today, right? Yeah, exactly. One of the best quotes I've ever heard is, everybody chases the numbers, right? If you, How come if you go 0 for 4, but in the bottom of the ninth with the bases loaded, and you make a diving play, why doesn't that count as a 1 for 5 with 3 RBIs in your mind? You just saved the game. You saved 3 runs with a diving play. That could be better than you getting a hit with nobody on in the 7th. To me, in my mind, there's many different ways I can contribute to a win other than when the bat's in my hand. If I'm, not, if I'm on first base and there's a ball in the dirt, did I get to second? Every, every 90 feet, so we broke it down at Utah. Our coaches were, were insane. Like, they were all over it. I love playing for these guys. And we broke it down. It's just, every 90 feet you can get on the bases is 11.1% towards the run. So if I'm on first base, I'm happy I got my hit. I don't go after that ball in dirt because I'm, I'm content. I did my job. He's got to hit me in. You just costed your team 11% towards the run. 
you might not think that's a big deal, but then in the ninth inning, when you're playing for a Pac-12 championship and you lose by one, we have game notes after the game, and they'll let, they'll let you know, oh, Beza didn't take that extra base today, and look how the game ended. So the little, the little things are what make a difference at the next level. It's not so much, oh, I hit 450 when I was 12, so I'm always going to be a great, I'm always going to be a great player. So it's about your IQ. It's about what you do when the bat's not in your hands, defensively, base running, all that stuff. It's interesting you say that, you know, I hit 450 at 12. Typically that kid, and not always, but it's it's just been interesting watching some of these players grow up who were 10, 11, 12 years old and just dominant, right? So much bigger than everyone else, so much stronger than everyone else. And as you follow that group through the process, all of a sudden as a ninth grader, they're not so dominant. All of a sudden as a sophomore, everyone's as big or bigger. All of a sudden as a junior, they're not a starting guy. We put so much um, so much effort into really recognizing and acknowledging the dominance of the 10-year-old gigantic kid or the 12-year-old gigantic kid, and it's a no fault to them. But I see so many parents like, this is the next guy. This is the greatest player that's going to come out of Utah. He's 12. You have no idea yep. what that kid's going to do, and every team's trying to get him, and Every team is, you know, we got to get this kid. He's going to win us the trophy. He's, and that may be true at 12, but it's just interesting to watch how that changes and everybody else seems to, to catch up. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I did an episode with uh, Oz, which obviously you know very well. You guys played together for us. Yeah. And he's a perfect example, right? I think he said when he was 12, he was like four foot 11, like 95 pounds. He didn't hit 100 pounds, I think, until he was a freshman or sophomore in high school. I watched him develop and surpass so many you know those big strong kids so i think that's important Mm -hmm. too that the people understand that is like you're good at 10 you're good at 11 good at 12 that's awesome like i love that right but don't act like that's going to roll into you being the next big draft pick or the next big division one college player we see it all the time the dominant kids they don't work it's been easy for them. All I had to do was swing they the get bat. Comfortable. And I, yeah, they get comfortable. Yeah, right, exactly. Yep. And I hit the ball 200 feet. I had 55 home runs in my 12U season. I hit 15 bombs at, at, at Cooperstown. That's great. Like, I love that. Like, I think that's awesome. But the reality is without the work, without the dedication, without the growth, that typically doesn't correlate to high school. I think that's a message that, exactly. that, that we need to spread as baseball people too, right? Like the grind, the continuous work. It's not what you've done. You know, I said it earlier. It's, it's, it's what, what can you do for me today? It's not what yep. you've done, right? Especially at the college level. I think a college coach will look at a player and they'll ask the coach, how was he, this or that. But a college coach doesn't care you went three for three in a season game in this particular region on a cold day in May, doesn't make a difference to him. What are you going to do for them, right? It's a job. How did your coaches portray to you, like, this is my job. Your job is to support my job, and you need to produce. What what was that experience like at Hawaii and Utah? Um, So for for my experience, it was more like we're all just a huge family. At the end of the day, we got to look at it as this is how we put food on the table for our family. And I know in college back then, there's no NIL, there's none of that, you're not getting paid, but our, our way of putting food on the table is winning a conference tournament or getting to a regional, going, going to that stuff. So the way you perform is how you feed your family. And for coaches specifically, that is how you feed your family. At the next level, it's not a coach who's doing this because he's Johnny's dad. This is how, this is his career. If he, if we don't win, 
he's out of a job. He has to sell his house. He's got to move his family, his two kids that they've been there for 15 years. Now they got to go move across the country to try and find a new job. So it's a, it's a different level of commitment that you're making to them and they're making to you. This isn't just, all right, let's go play a couple tournaments. Um, let's make sure everybody's happy. Like, no, if you're not putting in the work, I'm not going to trust you because this is my life on the line. So our coaches did a good job of really explaining that and how if you give us everything, you will have, a, you will, we'll have your back till the end. But if you're not giving it all to us, I can't trust you in that big situation because if we don't win, if we end up going under 500, his boss could come in and say, hey, hit the road. We win here. You didn't do that. Now you're moving out of Hawaii and you're going to live in St. Louis or something or, or Chicago. Now you got to move your whole family, your two 10-year-old daughters or sons, whatever it is. So it's, it's more of a of their livelihood instead of just, okay, you – you're a good person. I really like you. So you're going to play that. That doesn't fly there. Did you have an opportunity or did you, and I'm sure you did through your, through, through your career and still, you're probably still going to see those, those guys, the uncoachable player. And how did coaches oh, deal? Yeah. How did coaches deal with them? What, and how did other players um, deal with that, that kid who's uncoachable, right? He, he knows he's, he's already made it. And, and the information you have is not as valuable and he doesn't need to be coached. How, how does that kid work out in college? No, that could that could never work out. I think coaches deal with it a little better. They've been around. They've seen it. They've been coaching for a while. This isn't their first rodeo. As a teammate, as a guy who shares the locker room with those guys, that's that's where it's tough on those guys. You're not if you're an uncoachable guy. You're you're bringing the team down. Your teammates are going to let you know if if you're if they're really your teammates or really your friends. They're not your friends because they're there to tell you how great you are all the time. Because we have the same goal. And if you're holding us back, me specifically, I'm going to let you know. And I know I have plenty of teammates who are the same way. And there's times where I don't bring it that day. And I, I might be pissed for, for the moment, but then you look back an hour later after practice, and you're like, damn, I really needed that. Like I, I was slacking today. Those uncoachable guys who day in, day out, they do that, they're, they're not very liked in the locker room. They get kind of shoved to the corner. Like if you're not bought in, you're not going the same direction as us. You can you can stay back. We don't need you. We got 25 other guys who want who want this, and bust their bust their butt every single day to, for the same goal. From the coaches' side, you might the coaches are going to get into you, but at the end of the day, they know you're a kid. They they kind of work with you to a certain extent until if it's a full year, you're just gone the next year. But your life in the locker room will be hell if your teammates aren't. Don't think that you're bought in and you're not there for them. How hard is it to play college baseball? It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. It's not even the baseball side, but like we went to Vanderbilt and they were number one in the nation. You go play against Kumar Rocker, top player, top pitcher in the country, and you come home and the next morning you got study hall because you got calculus. So like the, the baseball side is hard. Don't get me wrong. The training, morning waste, you got to get up at 6 a.m. You got to go to class. You got tutors uh you got study hall practice long inner squad so it's 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 18 hour days and on top of that you got to go home and do your homework and make sure if you get it because if you get a c minus you're not eligible people think it's if you fail once you once you declare your major your last two years if you get if you get a c minus you have to retake that class and you're not eligible so if you if you think you got a 2.5 in high school and you you can get into a d1 you'll be fine that 2.5 is going to turn into a, a 2.0 real quick. 
and then you you miss one class, you sleep through one class because you're tired from morning weights. That turns into a one nine, and now you're gone. You're just cut. So for me, the baseball side's hard, but if you really believe that you want to be a baseball player, this is what you want to do. You get through those things. The hard part is the school. That's that's the hard part to stay on top of with all the travel and everything. If you are a borderline grades guy in high school, you're screwed. You're not making it. I talk to high school coaches all the time, and and they talk about how their players aren't eligible. They've got players on suspension. They got players who don't show up. They can't be on time for their first class, or they go to lunch and they can't make it back on time for their next class, and they're hovering around a 2.0. I get it, right? I, I'm 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 very sympathetic to to individuals who have learning disabilities. I'm very sympathetic to people who have challenges because we all do. But yeah. the reality is this: if you can't get up and make it to school by 8 a.m., be on time for your first class. If you can't get a 3.0 or better, I'm not sure you can make it at the college level. But kids get so caught up in, well, I can hit, I can run, I can field. Yeah, but the problem is you can't pass class. And it's maybe not even that you can't pass class. You choose not to pass class. You choose not to be there at 8 a.m. And they think that behavior is going to be okay at the next level. I'm not sure that they're getting, I know there's a bunch of great high school coaches out there that are giving them that information, but I'm finding a lot of those kids. Oh, I I heard what you said, but I didn't listen to it. Right. And now they're off to college and it's like, you got to be at weightlifting at five 30 or 6 AM and you couldn't make the 8 AM class. How's that going to work? That 6 AM class or 6 AM weights is coming after a 18 inning inner squad the night before and then study hall for two hours after. And then, oh, yeah, you got to go home and you're finding your own meals because mom and dad aren't there. Cafeteria closes at 7. You were still in the 11th inning of your inner squad. How are you going to find dinner? What are you going to cook? So you got to do that, find five hours of sleep somewhere, and then get up. And if you're, if you're not in the door already stretching, rolling out 10 minutes before 6, the whole team's running and you're going home. So it's, it's not as easy as people think. And the greatest part in high school like, don't get me wrong, I am I was not an academic wizard in high school. I'm I'm not the smartest dude. But if you show up to eighty percent of your classes, you have a three If you just show up, put your butt in a chair and just, just sit there, it is is damn near impossible for you to fail that class. I know if it's calculus or if it's physics, yeah, you gotta put some effort in. Like if you just show up to class in high school, you're you're gonna get the grades. You're gonna do your homework. 80% of the time, you're going to have a 3-5. Putting in the effort continuously, can I win today? Like, oh, yeah, I got eight semesters or eight months of class. Like, this sucks. I don't want to be here. But can you show up today? Like, that's the only way to look at it. Can I show up today? Can I, be, can I win today? That's it. In every aspect you do. Did you make breakfast today? Did you make your bed? Did you go to class? Did you go to waste? Did you do your homework last night? Just win one thing at a time. Because if you look at it in the long term on things you don't want to do, you're never going to get up to do those things. You're like, damn, it's another day. I got it. It's only Tuesday. I got, I got three more days of class. If you look at it, it's like, all right, I'm tired. I don't want to do it today, but can I do it? Can I just get up, get my butt to class and just get through it so that I can go enjoy myself on the field today? It's not if you can. It's can I can, right? What you said. It's yeah. that little voice between your ears that tells you you can't. 
No, you can. You absolutely can. I can't get out of bed. I'm too tired. No, you absolutely can. You just have to choose to. I can't be on time for my first class. No, you can. You just have to choose to. And I think a lot of kids aren't making the choice to do because it's really easy not to, right? It's it's warm. You're in your covers, whatever. You got social media. You can sit, whatever it is. There's so many options to not do it that making that decision is hard for some. But the ones that say, no, I don't want to, but I definitely can and I do, those are the kids that make it. What type of players make yep. it at, at, at? So let's let's talk let's talk Utah, right? The the school you finished at. What type of players make it? Because I get kids all the time. Coach, I want to go to Utah. Coach, I want to play in the Pac-12. Coach, I want to play at at yep. a Division one school, a P five school, and and they can't, right? They they either don't have the skill set, they don't have the academics, they don't have the grind, whatever it is. What type of players make it, and what type of players wash out at that level? Yeah, I mean, once you get to that level, everybody you walk in in the fall and there's fifty dudes. Every one of those guys can play. The physical ability is not a question anymore. It gets it comes down to who busting their ass at practice every single day, who's huffing and puffing, who pushes themselves to exhaustion every single day, who knows knows the signs, who knows the bunk coverages, the rundowns, all that all that stuff. Who knows the plays? Who shows up to class? Who doesn't blow off their tutors? So at that point, coaches are looking for you to mess up to make their job easy because they got 50 dudes who could easily be in the starting lineup. It it doesn't come down to a a difference of athletic ability or is he good enough to play here? It comes down to who puts themselves in a position to succeed every day. So if I show up to Utah and I'm, I'm a fifth year senior, I've already proved myself in college and I'm just deciding now that uh, I already graduated from Hawaii. I don't need, I don't need to go to school. I can just blow off these classes. I would have been gone. There are plenty of guys who were blowing off tutors, not going to classes, not doing their homework. You do grade checks every week. Coaches get emails every week by every single teacher you have. They know your grades. They know why your grades are like that. They know what your attendance is like. They know how you act in class. They know where you sit. You make it easy for them. So if you're, if you're not committed on the academic side or you're not doing your stuff in the training room, like if you walk in and you're like, Coach, my hamstring hurts today. The trainer sends a report every day to the coaches too, and he doesn't see your name on there or what you were working on. Okay, your hamstring hurts, but you're not taking care of your body. You're not bought in. So why would I put you in uh, with the with the game on the line? So it comes down to what you do everywhere else outside of just the game. The game is your reward, and I don't think people understand that. The game is not what you're there for. The game is you being rewarded for all the eight months of hard work where you didn't want to get up. It's 30 degrees outside and you still got to get up, shovel your driveway and get to wait on time and have energy. Cause if you don't have energy and you're just there, you're running. So it's, it's all the mental stuff outside of baseball, the grind for five, six, seven months, embracing the suck, whatever, whatever that situation is, the suckiness, when you don't want to be there, embrace that and make that enjoyable. That's where guys start to succeed. So baseball is great. Like you said, that's the reward. That's what we, that's, that's the, that's the payday. But the challenges in addition are more important and probably harder than going out on game day. You know, I hear that saying, get up, shovel, go to practice. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's miserable. But that's what the elite guys do. Right. In, in, for example, in a cold weather state. Right. So 
going from Hawaii to Utah, was there a difference in the in the competition level? Was there a difference in the challenges that you faced? I mean, the core understanding of the grind, right? And 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 the way to do things was the same, but but was it different going say from Hawaii to Utah? Did you have to turn it up or were you already prepared for Utah? Um, for me specifically, I thought I thought I prepared myself well, so I thought it was easier transferring to Utah because I already it was almost like I knew what I was getting into at that point. As a freshman going into Hawaii, I thought I had it all figured out. I, I was like, oh yeah, I work out. I work out hard. I I go lift in the mornings. I go to practice. I hit with my dad at night. Like I I work hard. I know what I'm doing. And you get to you get to school and you're you're kind of shell shocked because people are doing this like for their life. Like I played with our shortstop was from Tokyo. Guy barely spoke any English. He's here for one reason because he wants to play professional baseball in America. He's not here because he wants to be a communications major or his his parents went to Hawaii, so he's a third generation and like this was set out for him. No, this is his one way ticket to make it. So you see people grind for a different way, for a different reasoning. So learning all that through four years, then going to Utah, I was like, Okay, I I know what I'm supposed to do. Like weight sucks, but I know I wanna do it. I know I'm here because I wanna play professional baseball. Like this is the stuff that I have to enjoy. And coming in as a graduate transfer, I knew I had to set the tone. So now there's 17, 18-year-old kids who are in my position when I first got there. How do I help them out? How do I make them enjoy it? Kids are going to be kids. You're going to mess up. You're not going to be perfect. I want to make sure I make that clear. Like I, I messed up. I slept through weights twice my freshman year. I was showing up late to practice every once in a while. Like You mess up. Coaches understand that. How do you bounce back from that? So I wanted to make sure kids knew that. Like, yeah, I'm going to be hard on you when you miss weight because you can't miss weight. But don't get me wrong. I did it too. I grew from that. Now it's like I wake up 30 minutes before and make sure I'm not late. And I text. We had a, we called them um, boat buddies. And you had one partner that you had to make sure was up and was at their, uh, their practice every day. You guys were in charge of each other. You had to make sure. So I'd get up. Which was at six. I get up at five, and at five thirty, I'd send a text to my to my boat buddy. And if he didn't answer in fifteen minutes, I'm calling him. And if it was five fifty and he's not there, I'm driving to his dorm. So now it's like you're in charge of other people too. So me being up isn't just going to affect me; it's affecting him too. And he would do the same thing for me. So I really liked the way that that was worked out at Utah. I thought the transition was easier for me, but just because of the experience. I love that you said, like, I love the idea of a, of a boat buddy and looking out for someone else. I also love the idea you said, you know, as the younger guys come in, it's my job as a, as a senior or as an older player, upperclassman to, to welcome these kids, to help them, to teach them the ropes. Doesn't mean I got to baby them. Doesn't mean I got to, you know, uh, uh, make sure that it happens, but the idea of, of treating them well, of getting that respect. And, and more now than ever, man, I, I see in high school all the time, there's the, there's the seniors or there's the upperclassmen and, and they treat the younger kids like garbage, right? It's like, how much yeah. can we bully these guys? How much can we show them that they're, they're not good or how much can we, you know, uh, uh, talk on them instead of welcoming them in the program, but the programs that I find yeah. are good. And I get that happens everywhere, right? I mean, I think there's some level of that, no matter what, because you just have that guy or those guys on the team who don't get it, and the reality is mm-hmm. they're jokers, right? But I, I I wonder, and I see some of the, in these good high school programs where the culture is so good, 
right? It, it is, it's like a breeding ground for positivity. It's a breeding ground to, to bring everyone up to an elite level. And I find those teams so much more successful than teams who the culture's, you know, terrible. You look at college, you look at some of these, whether it's baseball or football or whatever, you look at some of these teams, even professional, and they have these amazing athletes. How are they not winning? But then it comes out in the news or there's a report that the culture screwed up. You know, these guys were fighting in the dugout or these guys were doing this or doing yep. that. How was the culture? How was the culture at, 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 at Hawaii, at Utah? How did you guys know that, yes, we are competing here, but we're, we're competing. We're competing for a common goal. We're competing to win. We're, we're not trying to step on each other. Yeah. And you, and at Hawaii, it was, the culture was great, but when I got there, we had a good core group of seniors. And then at the same time, my incoming freshman class was like 11 or 12 guys. So it was like the seniors were on their way out. They had been there three, four years. So they knew what, what the program was about. They knew how they did things. And then they showed it to us. So they were hard enough when we got there, but we're 18 year old. So there's a little learning curve where, yeah, seniors are going to be hard on you, but that's because they've seen guys like you come in every year. They've seen guys fail or come in, come out. Like they think they're the, they're the next Bryce Harper and you show up and you don't make it through the poll. So you have to prove yourself at first. And once you prove yourself, okay, this guy comes in, he works hard for us. He's making diving plays. He's running the bases hard. Um, he's playing the game the right way. Now you start to earn that respect. And now the seniors are your best friends because they respect that. So then they showed us how everything was working. And then and right after that, um, my sophomore year, our whole freshman class was the only returners. And then there were some JUCO guys who came in and whatnot. But we were the, we were the ground. We were the tone setters. For the next three years, it was our program. We built it up how we wanted it. This is our this is how we like uh, hanging out in the locker room. On weekends, we're all together. It's not just the freshmen. It's not just the seniors. Everybody's together. How can we build that that family mentality, that camaraderie? So I really like that. At Utah, it was a little harder because the new coaching staff, and then we had, I think, 21 or 22 new guys. So in the fall, the first month or two, it was hard because nobody really knew who was the leader. Like I, me and a couple other uh, grad transfers knew we were older and we were going to play, but we didn't want to step on any returner's toes because they were there last year. We're the new guys. We don't want to just take over the program and say, this is how we do things. So that was a little awkward at first, but then after a while, we all got comfortable with each other and it was more of a, a group lead type thing. There wasn't one guy or two guys that took over. It was more like, okay, you're from a different area. I'm from a different area. We came from different schools. This sophomore started every game last year, so he knows how this works. How are we as a group going to come together to get to our common goal? So that was more working through it, where Hawaii was more, um, it was set already for us. You said the word family. I hear mm -hmm. teams all the time when they bring it up and they cheer, they say family. Yeah. Then I watch the dynamics between the players on the teams, and they're the farthest thing from a family. And, you know, I, I work with a team specifically that that's what they were cheering every time. It's like, bring it up. They'd say family, which is great. But then I asked them one day, I said, are you really a family? Yeah, coach. Yeah, coach. And I looked at a couple of them and I said, would you teach your, would you treat your family the way you treat him? No. And I looked at him and I would look at an upperclassman sitting next to an underclassman. I'd say, do you know his name? No, I don't know his name. That's a family. Cause that's not my definition yeah. of family. My definition of family 
I take care of my family. My family takes care of me. I know everything about my family. I, I, I support my family. I talk to my family. I treat my family with respect. And these kids didn't do any of that. But then they want to get together after practice and yell, family. And I broke the ice to them that the news to them that day. I said, you're the farthest thing from a family. And they didn't know how to handle yep. it. But once we talked through it, they understood it, right? Yo, yeah, you're right. If if this or they, I hear brothers. What's that kid's name over there? Ah, uh, coach, he's a freshman. I don't know his name. Well, then why are you calling him your brother? Doesn't make sense to yep. me. At Utah last year, since we were all new guys, our coaches did a good job of uh, kind of speeding up the process. So after a month of us practicing and everything, we'd line up for practice right after we stretched, and our coach would pick on one guy and bring him out and just point to guys. And if you didn't know their name and where they were from, the whole team was running. And we did that for a week until everybody knew everybody's name and where they were from. Like you said, you're, you guys are family. You guys are going to go to war with these guys, and you don't know – Johnny's name or that he's from Draper that you guys went to rival high schools or that this kid's from Canada and he he doesn't know anybody here and he feels like he's alone so that stuff of being a family you don't take that lightly nobody else knows your situation you go home to your buddies from high school and they're like oh how's school how's baseball and yeah you can go brag about all the high points but nobody knows the struggles like the guy next to you nobody knows how hard it is to get up every day like the guy next to you that's the family side is you have, you have a brother next to you who struggles just like you do, who goes through the same, the same troubles that you do, but he gets the same rewards you do. And there's not a better bond than that in college baseball. Does that convert to W's? Does that convert to wins? A hundred percent. No doubt. Yeah, man. I, I, I look at, you know, just the mental performance, the, the connection, the synergy is, you know, what we call synergy between the guys. Like I, it's, it's just, it's amazing to me the lack of at times. And it's amazing to me that it's players are so blinded that they don't think that converts to W's. That doesn't convert to a better situation, more wins or a better experience. It's almost like they're okay just to grenade what's going on. Like I don't have to be his friend. I'm not saying you gotta be his best friend, but you gotta respect him. You gotta understand him. Yeah. You gotta know about him. I'm not I'm not saying after practice you gotta go over to Subway and get a sandwich together. That's not what I'm saying. But don't yeah. act for a minute that people you can come in and bully each other and attack each other and be inappropriate to each other and act like that's going to convert into W's. Nobody likes to be treated with disrespect. And if you're disrespecting your teammates, and let's say you're a pitcher, how hard am I going to work for you? You know, you just called no, me this name. You just made yeah. fun of me, right? How hard am I going to work for you? In fact, I want you to fail because yeah. you're such a terrible teammate. I, I don't understand. It's messed up to say, but I know, I know that feeling. Like. That kid's a terrible teammate, and he's just he's mouthing off to the coach. He's he's giving you attitude. When he gets on the mound, I don't want to go make that diving play. Why why would I go that extra mile for him? There's a ball in the four hole. I'm just going to the bag. That's hit, that's a hit. That's on his ERA. That's only a testament to your character. Because if there's a guy who's a great teammate, he's great with everybody. He works his ass off. He's always there for his teammates. I'm I'm running into I'm running into a wall for that guy. I'm diving into the stands for him. I'm I I want the ball hit to me because I want I want to be there for him because that's my brother. You're a terrible teammate. You're sleeping through waves. You're it's May or April and you still don't know the signs. Why am I going to go that extra mile for you? You're not bought in. You're probably going to be gone in a month at the end of the year when we make cuts. Players need to hear that. Players need to understand that. 
put your differences aside. Like I said, you don't got to be best friends, but you got to respect each other. You, 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 you can't talk bad. Goal. That's you right. And and I think coming from a player like you, and because they, they look a lot of players look at us, the, the older generation. I guess you'd say that, like, ah, oh, we're just uh, we're just lecturing them. Right. Fair enough. Right. right. But don't act like we haven't been there and we haven't done that. But coming from a current player, coming from a college player, coming from a, a player that that they respect. Right. They're bought into because you guys have more in common, per se, than, say, an older coach and a player. Man, if they can't hear that and they can't understand that, they're missing the boat. And I think in a, in a, in a sense, that kid is always going to be that kid and he's going to turn into that guy. Right. Yeah. Man, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing now, right? Coming from Utah, yeah. you were ABCA Rawlings Gold Glove winner, all Pac-12 defensive team, pretty darn good, right? Like mm-hmm. I look at you as a player. You, I mean, what are you? Are you six three, six four, two twenty? Yeah, six four, about two twenty. Yep. Okay, Golden Glove winner, all Pac-12 defensive team. How hard is it to almost now to take the next step? Why are you not drafted? What What is that? Like, what I, I want you to kind of explain to people, like, because I literally have high school kids who come into me and they say, I want to play professional baseball. And I they have yep. no clue what it takes. I look at you. I look at, you know, you look at the numbers. You look at the size. You look at the ability. You look at the work ethic. You're the prototypical pro guy, right? What what's Tell me how hard it is to take that next step. Because if, if you've had to work this hard to keep on that journey, I can't even imagine how hard it truly is. It's. It's incredibly hard. Like like you said, I I grind every day. I do everything. I feel like I'm doing it the right way. I show up and the days I don't want to do it, I just I get up and I, I grind through it. I know this has been my goal since I was three years old when I first started playing. This is what my family has helped me do. My parents would sit there and work with me for hours. My mom would sit to countless games. My dad would take me every day. Right after we go to church on Sundays, straight to the field. We'd hit, we'd take ground balls, we'd catch my bullpens, whatever it was. All that stuff throughout the years has just gotten intensified. And it's like now, when I was in college, it's like, what do I need to do to get drafted? Okay, I need to hit, I need to slug 900, I need to slug 850, I need to be a good defensive first baseman, I need to be able to take some bases so that I, I don't get profiled as just a, a, a first baseman who can't move. Like, if, if they need to put me in the outfield, I need to do that. But at the end of the day, I'm doing that in Hawaii. There's 400 Division One schools with four first basemen on the roster. And then you go down to D2, who, if you think D2 can't play, you just don't know college baseball. If you, if you think NAIs can't play or JUCOs, you, you just don't know baseball. Go, go, down to, go down to Slick when they're playing Central Arizona and tell me if that's not real baseball. You won't see a ball thrown under 95. It's not just the Division One level that gets talent. There's talent all over the country, all over the world. And you're looking for one spot. So selfishly for me, I'm pissed because I think I've done everything well and I, I think I've deserved a shot. But when you look at it as a bigger picture, how many guys have not done everything I've done, if not more? And that's the scary thing to me. It's like, who's doing more? Like, am I cutting myself short? That's always been my biggest fear since I was in high school. Is Yeah, I'm doing work, but I'm a, I'm a scrawny little kid from Utah. I'm working out indoors. What are kids in Arizona doing? What are kids in California doing? Texas. They're outside right now getting good reps. Well, I'm in a little gym facility, hitting the ball off the tee, hitting it off the top of the net. I think I just hit a bomb. I'm not getting better like they are. Looking at it on that side, that's what always keeps me square and keeps me wanting to keep working is 
I know I'm working hard, but there's somebody out there who's knocking on the door. When you hear him knock on the door, what's your motivation? What do you do? I mean, for me, it's just, I know this is what I want to do. Like, I know I've, I've given everything to this game and to, to this craft. I don't, I don't want it to just end here. I feel like, like I'm, I'm a gold miner. I'm digging in a mine. And for me to turn around right now, I feel like I'm, I'm a couple more, just a couple more feet from striking gold. So for me to back away now, it feels like, like I'd be selling myself short. I'd be selling my family short. So everybody who's rooting for me, everybody who helped me get, get to this spot. Like they, they deserve better than for me to just say, oh, I'm good. I'm done. There's, there's more in the tank. When I feel like people are knocking on the door, that, that's what makes me. And that's what drives me because at the end of the day, it's a competition. It's a competition with yourself and with others. You, you might think you're better than me. You might think you can beat me. That's great. Good, good for you. I'm, I'm glad you think that way, but ain't no way in hell. I'm not letting you beat me. I'm better than you. And that's, that's the mindset you have to have. And it's not in a disrespectful way. It's not, I'm going to stand on home plate and flip you off and bat flip and do a dance at home plate. I'm going to do it with my head down. And I'm going to, I'm going to work my ass off, but I'm, I'm going to win. So this summer you're headed up to play for the Boise Hawks. How are you look? Are you looking forward to that experience? I mean, obviously you're looking forward to it, but what does that got? What's that going to entail? What's what? Tell us a little bit about what that step is. Yeah. So that's a independent league. So they used to be affiliated with the Rockies um, until COVID. And now that independent league is basically a minor league season. It's a hundred games and their scouts there at games and, I know specifically with Boise, our coaches, our coaching staff was all there when they were affiliated. So they have uh, minor league experience. They have connections. So you go out there and you showcase what you can do and you're there to try and win a Pioneer League championship. But at the same time, you're trying to get out. So it's a little different than what I'm used to. Kind of uncharted waters for me, but I'm excited. It's, it's another opportunity. Um, it's professional baseball. So somebody somebody's paying me a paycheck because they think I'm good enough. So that's, that's a win for me. I'm, I'm working for that, but also at the same time, like I said, you're never working for where you're at right now. I'm working to try and get to minor league baseball, try to get affiliated. I'm training for that season and I'm really excited. I'm, and yeah, I'm excited to see a bunch of guys who are in the same boat, a bunch of guys who dominated their college seasons, but they're not quite pushing through that minor league baseball yet. And I think it's going to be a lot of, a lot of bloodthirsty guys out there looking looking to kill, and I think it's going to be a fun fun season. What does the future hold for Alex Baeza? I'd love to say professional baseball, but for me, the future is just going to hold whatever I put into today is going to set the stone for tomorrow. Whenever, for me personally, whenever I look into the future and I look at I want to be here in four years, I want to be there. I start to I start to lose it a little bit. So I. I like setting long-term goals. Like for me, I, I want to play professional baseball. I want to, I want to stand at first base in front of 50,000 people somewhere. That's, that's my long-term goal. But I know for me to get there, I got to set that down, write it down in a notebook somewhere, close that notebook to get to work. I got to go win today to set up my future. Win the present and the long-term goals follow. Right. If we can't win today, we can't win next week, probably. Right. It's the idea of building and building and building and growing and growing and growing, preparing for whatever comes down the road. I've watched you play since you were eight, 17, 17, had a chance to coach you um, for a couple of years in a couple of different situations. And 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 Alex, I just I want to congratulate you, man. I, you've come back. You've, you've 
you've helped locally, you you work with the local kids, you you put that same effort into them. I hope you experienced when you were that age. And and I just want to congratulate you, man, because there's very few guys who who walk the path you do. There's very few guys that do what you do. And the information that you store rather on the baseball field or off the baseball field is extremely valuable. Don't ever take that for granted and not understand the story you have and the story to tell. Rather, you end up on first base in front of 50,000 people or rather you end up coaching third base in front of 50,000 people or rather you end up doing whatever. You've done a hell of a job, man. And and, and I want you to know the guys back here are, are proud of what you're doing. And, you know, and you see us follow you and we see, you know, you see us repost your stuff. That's because we care, man, and 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 I think it's yeah. just important for you to know that that we're all rooting for you back here, and and you've been a, an influence just not on 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 the youth, but you've been an influence on on us as well. So so thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, I look forward to talking to you again, man. I'm gonna let you run and uh, keep us in the loop of what's going on. Um, any social media that that people can jump on and follow you, Alex? Yeah, um, Instagram, Twitter. Um, everything's the same handle. It's just a Beza 43. Beza B A E Z A. Correct. Yep. And they're also going to be able to follow you. The Boise Hawks this summer. We're all looking forward to that. man. Boise Hawks have a, have an Instagram and they'll be posting highlights and stuff and keeping people updated. All right, Alex, as usual, man, much love. We appreciate you and good luck with everything you're doing, man. We're pulling for you. Thank you. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. Mm -hmm. Bye. Welcome to Now You Know Podcast with Dominic Jeffries. Let's get it. This episode has been brought to you by Mindset Performance. You can follow myself, Coach D. Jeffries, on Twitter, Mindset Performance 2022, on Instagram. For you out there who listen and are looking for information on college recruiting, I've put a six-part class together. You can see that on my website. Thanks to Alex Beza. Once again, we wish him the best and good luck.